It's almost Valentine's Day. Let Sam paint you a picture. The lights are dimmed. You've returned from a decadent meal. You're in front of a roaring fire on a luxurious bearskin rug, and you're about to make whoopee. It's only then you realize there is no lube in your whole house. How vivid. Head to adamandeve.com for 50% off almost any item and free shipping with special code HORROR, H-O-R-R-O-R. Happy Valentine's Day. Fuck! Hello, everybody. Hey, folks. Welcome to another exciting, groundbreaking episode of the uh, Pulitzer Prize nominated podcast, I'm Horrified. Oh, we can just say stuff now? I just figured I'm also horrified by liars, you so guys, why not bring that in? Michelle Obama loves this podcast. <laughs> she said, I wrote Becoming because of you guys. Yeah. She won't publish that. No. <laughs> but it's, you know, when she sent us her first copy yeah. of, you know, the first printing. That's it's, what it was in the inscription. We won't show it to you out of respect, no. but, you Well, know. it's because um, we're so private. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's Michelle is respecting our wishes. Yeah, we really are a closed book over here. <laughs> uh, welcome to I'm Horrified. I'm Sam Buntage. I'm Allie Rayner, and we're just, we're glad to be here. I have a cold. A little bit. Just kind of become apparent, probably, to everyone listening to this. That's all right. We persevere. And we're also going to record a couple episodes today, so if you think I have a cold for the next month, um, it's okay. I'm fine. We'll see, though. Maybe we'll you will, see. and you'll have a, a cold for the rest of this podcast. If you listen to this podcast in a couple of weeks and I'm dead, <laughs> that this is why. This, this is the foreshadowing. This is the storm, tiny storm before the big storm. I'm so excited for what we're bringing you today. Today, I'm going to talk about Theranos. Theranos. I don't know what that is. I'm so excited. I've heard of it. Is it a Marvel character? No, it's similar. Thanos is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> You're thinking of Thanos. I really was like, maybe she's going to do a deep dive into that. Um, no. I can talk about him in a future episode. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, the papal ban on cats. I'm excited to learn about this as well. And if it's the musical or the actual animal. But don't tell me now. Yeah. <laughs> the Vatican's had it out for Andrew Lloyd Webber for just, I mean, centuries. They predicted it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to get saucy. I cannot wait. Very excited. A saucy little minx is what you're gonna <laughs> present to us. Ooh. Is a minx a kind of cat? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring you very little actual information. <laughs> um, it's gonna span several thousand years, Perfect. this research, but it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> so um, if, if you weren't gonna stick around for the end of this episode, you won't now. <laughs> um, you know how to sell it, Al. That's what I love about you. Sam, tell me what that what your word means Absolutely. tell me about it tell me bring me into your world yes so um i personally i don't know about you folks i am still riding the high after watching multiple fire festival documentaries mm. we watched the hulu one together yep and then i watched the netflix one on the plane to podcon right and i think you've since watched i the watched netflix it one. afterwards yes yeah. and i just thought like maybe we're in the zeitgeist this is a good time to talk about another scam I'm excited. Yes, so buckle up, because we're going to talk about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Ooh. So Theranos was a quote-unquote groundbreaking health company. <gasps> is this an MLM? No, I wish. Oh, I wish. But is sorry. it like MLM adjacent? Like it's it's scammy? Yes, it's, it's scammy. Oh, I fucking love it. I, I think I've already said that I just listened to all of The Dream. Yes, you did. On, and I started um, it, and it's very st- good. Oh, God, it's so good. Please go listen to that. Okay. So I'm I'm primed for this. Absolutely. Um. So the thing that was making Theranos special is that they purported to be able to use just one drop of blood for over 200 blood diagnostic tests. 
which is amazing. If you've ever had blood drawn for, you know, any kind of test, you know it's like vial upon vial that have to get pulled from your body. Yeah, and when they switch the vials out, I crumple to the ground like a leaf. Yeah. It's a fun fact about me. (laughs) I've been there as well. It's a bummer. I I hit the ground very hard when they take my blood, but they do take a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. I've only ever had my blood drawn once, and I did not faint, but I was just, I found myself crying, and, like, I couldn't tell you when I began crying. I, like, came to mid-cry. Yeah. And my dad was like, what's happening? Are you scared (laughs) of needles? And I was like, no. (laughs) But it's still tears running down my face. It's so weird. I remember I always have to tell the nurse. This is a non sequitur. We can get this out. But like, (laughs) I always have to tell. This is a short story. I always have to tell the nurse, like, here's the thing. I don't want to freak out. And (laughs) you also don't want that. So I can't see my blood. Like, Mm -hmm. I can feel the stuff happening. But if I see my blood (laughs) leaving my body at any point, it's going to get bad. It's game over. Like, can we be a team on making sure that that doesn't happen? And usually it's been pretty okay, um, but it's it's hysterical. They it's probably, really hysterical. They probably appreciate that you absolutely know your trigger, and they're no, like, yeah, I'm just like, 100%, you, you really will not gotta, see your blood. This, this is just like my bugaboo. Like, I, I can't. I can't deal with this. So um, that's a good trick for you. Also, you can ask for baby needles. <laughs> you can ask for butterfly needles, which they use on tiny children. Love that. Um, so I always ask for that because I have, um, to quote several nurses, very deep, difficult veins, <laughs> um, which, you know, has given me a complex now. That feels like how you would be described on the, like, your book jacket, like, deep and difficult, Alison Rayner's seminal new work, well, if you, butterfly needle. if you pair that with the first time I got a pap smear, my gynecologist <laughs> said, wow, you have a really bleedy cervix. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never gotten over that like I just always was like wow yeah and that's what we'll like, start well, my memoirs with I there suppose. you go um but yeah okay so that's clearly not correct that you you need more blood than that so let's branch off of there well you have needed more blood but Theranos is telling us no they have like a pr- proprietary little like dude doohickey it looks like a little rocket ship it takes a drop of your blood it sucks it out of you it puts it in these two little containers and they're like we can run 200 diagnostic tests just from those two little drops all right suspense of disbelief bring me on their journey yeah. and that's where theranos comes from she just um she combined the words like therapy and diagnosis <laughs> i already theranos. love it <laughs> <laughs> wow so this company was founded in 2003 by the then 19 year old elizabeth holmes uh, a fun fact is that Holmes's father, Christian Rasmuth Holmes IV, was a vice president at Enron for a s- short amount of time. Ooh. A spoiler, the apple does not fall too far from the tree. Very exciting. So she came up for the idea for Theranos, or what would become Theranos, while she was still a sophomore at Stanford School of Engineering. Uh, and it was motivated by her fear of needles. So you can relate to Elizabeth Holmes right now. Yeah. I think we could have taken the same path if yeah. I had more drive. <laughs> So um, she pitched the idea that she would be able to reap vast amounts of data from a few droplets of blood derived from the tip of a finger to a medicine professor at Stanford, Phyllis Gardner. And Gardner said to her, quote, I don't think your idea is going to work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Pretty blunt. And she pretty much explained that it is impossible to do what Holmes was claiming could be done. However, Holmes did not relent, and she succeeded in getting her advisor, a man named Channing Robertson, to back her idea. And he became the first board member of her company and her first connection to a lot of venture capitalists who are going to be important in the story. Mm. 
I would have taken that right to Shark Tank, personally. (laughs) But, you know, you can go that way if you want. There's two directions for every great idea. (laughs) So this was actually um, really exciting for her. And she ended up, like, dropping out of Stanford because this idea was so exciting and was getting so much, like, leeway and venture capitalists interested in it. Good move. And she loved that because she was obsessed with Steve Jobs down to the down to the fact that, like, as she became famous, she became very much known for wearing black turtlenecks everywhere, which was his signature look. Yikes. An important note. Tech startups are often started by college dropouts because all they need is a knowledge of the basics and the spark of a fresh idea, and they can innovate from there. That makes sense. Yeah. Biotech startups as in startups that have to do with health and the health industry, are never started by dropouts. Because <laughs> you need to be a doctor. Yeah. You need years of knowledge and research to really begin innovating in that field. It's different than just writing new code that no one's ever written before, because it has to do with, like, the human body and how it works. The basics are just not enough. But anyway, Elizabeth drops out of Stanford after two years <laughs> to start Theranos. So by 2004, Elizabeth had raised $6 million for Theranos. The company kept expanding and creating new machinery to do even more tests with only a drop of blood. And by the end of 2010, so she starts this in 2003, 2004, she's got $6 million. By the end of 2010, venture capitalists had invested $92 million in Theranos. Yikes. So much money because it's such an exciting, revolutionary idea that you'd be able to do this with all this proprietary technology. And if anyone else watches Shark Tank as much as you and I do, Allie. Which I hope is everyone. You know that, like, proprietary technology is where the money is. Like, if you're the only person who can be doing something and that thing revolutionizes a field, you're in the money. Right. So as soon as venture capitalists hear that, they're like, here's millions of dollars. Yeah, because if it works, we're going to make billions of dollars. Exactly. So the buzz around Theranos at this point is so big, Elizabeth is able to assemble what has been called the most illustrious board in U.S. corporate history. And it's got people on it like William Perry, the former Secretary of Defense, Richard Kovacic, the former Wells Fargo CEO, Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State, (laughs) and Charles Schultz, another former Secretary of State who we're going to talk about later. So this board was criticized as it was forming because it was consisting of mainly directors with diplomatic or military backgrounds, aka not doctors. Yeah, who understand the health side of the business, and even like fake doctors. Yeah, you know, not even a Doctor Oz in sight. Exactly. Sight. Yeah, but anyway, it's very exciting. Oh, Doctor Oz would be a great segment. Write <laughs> it down. Just, that just hit me like a train. Open our Google Doc yeah, immediately. Please continue. It was also around this time that Sonny Belwani joined Theranos as its new president and chief operating officer. Belwani was considered an odd choice for this role because he had no medical experience. This is a common thread. Isn't it, though? It's like a couple years of medical experience (laughs) and then a team of people with no medical experience equals biomedical... Uh, Revolution. Revolution? (laughs) Yeah. I'm confused. So uh, here's just a fun anecdote that I couldn't leave out of this podcast. So within Theranos, Balwani was known for using technical terms he seemingly did not understand, and everyone thought he was just doing it to appear smarter when it just made him seem dumber. 
And the example is he once misheard end effector, which is the claw at the end of an automated robot's arm, as an endofactor. As in, like, one word, endofactor. Right. Which is a nonsense word. Like, intensive purposes. (laughs) Yeah. And he repeated the error throughout a meeting. And everyone in the meeting was like, holy shit, like, he has no idea what he's talking about. To the point that then at a later meeting, they put the word endofactor into a PowerPoint to see if he would notice that they were making fun of him. (laughs) And he didn't. He was like, yes, the endofactor, of course. Ah, yes. Correct. That's, um, I hope my mom won't mind me sharing this story, but a friend of hers in college did a paper and a presentation on Alzheimer's disease, uh-huh. and she called it old timers. I've misheard disease. that in my past, but I've never done a project she on it. She put that in writing. That's hard. And that, and I think everyone was just like, do we stop her? <laughs> like, looking around, like... What do we do? Like, what? how do we triage this? That was, I think, the employees at uh, Theranos. They were like, holy shit. Well, I think they went straight to roasting him, which yeah. is the correct pathway. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, basically, everyone employed at Theranos knew this guy had no idea what was going on, but he was amazing at getting VC funding. Right. And he helped get another $700 million for Theranos. Well, he's a bullshitter. That's a skill. <laughs> yeah. It's not an education or science skill. But it's a skill. It's a skill. Put that on the res. So now we get to the height of Theranos, which comes in two parts. Number one, in 2013, so 10 years after its founding, Theranos gets a $130 million deal from Walgreens to put their blood testing technology in Walgreens across the country. So Walgreens obviously is a huge brand. And this opens up doors for partnerships with Walmart, the Cleveland Clinic, and more. Like, the U.S. military was interested. Are Walgreens and Walmart related, do you think? I don't think so. Hmm. I didn't uncover that in my research. (laughs) But I haven't looked into it. We'll circle back to it. But so this is a huge deal and it really puts Theranos on the map because before this, like, they hadn't even had press releases about their tech. They had been, like, a really under-the-radar company until this huge deal with Walgreens. And then partially because of this deal, in 2014, their CEO, Elizabeth Holmes, appears on the cover of Fortune, Forbes, and the New York Times-style magazine. And she's considered, like, a total wonder kid and she starts appearing on talk shows, panels, TED Talks. She's everywhere. And she has this really, um, like, uh, memorable look, which I think is important for, like, CEOs who want to look fancy, where she's always wearing... She's a pretty young woman. She's, like, in her 20s or 30s at this point, but, like, very young. She started when she was a baby. Yeah, she started this at 19. So, yeah, she's probably, like, 29. Like, Mm -hmm. she's just not even 30. So she's always wearing a black turtleneck, and usually her entire ensemble is black, um, she has blonde hair um, that's usually, like, a little messy, weirdly, but, like, in a ponytail, kind of. And then she's got this these huge eyes. And she speaks with this very low voice um, all the time. So it's, like, just very memorable when you see her. You're like, holy shit. And then it's like, this is the world's like, first made woman billionaire. Yeah, wow, this is a person. Yeah. And she was. She was the first self-made woman billionaire. Like, okay. in America. I mean, you gotta respect that, however you get there. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, maybe you don't. Um, so it feels like it's just about time for things to go bad, right? Yep, it is. Yeah, it's just about that time, folks. So the technology of Theranos didn't work. And it never worked. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Um, 
so they were trying to do brand new stuff that had never been done before. And they were discovering a lot of flaws as they went because, again, they were like kind of a research and development firm. Mm-hmm. So um, most of these most of these examples are too sciencey for me to understand. But here's just one of like the type of shit that was going down at Theranos. So Elizabeth Holmes wanted her diagnostic machine that you put the drop of blood into to be really compact and pretty to look at because eventually she wanted these to go in like people's homes. Like she thought it would be a device that people would just buy for themselves. Like and the iPhone of medical devices. And they would test their blood a lot? Yeah. Not just one time? (laughs) No, as much as they wanted, I guess. I I mean, I still don't understand what it would be used for. It was purporting to be able to do like all types of blood tests – as many as you can think of. And, like, I guess the idea was just if you're you testing your blood. You wouldn't have to do that yeah. in a doctor's office. Yeah. You would be fully. Okay, I get it. I get it. And, and again, like, at, even at the time, people are telling her, like, well, we're really, like, we want to sell these to doctors. And she's like, no, no, no. These will end up in people's homes. And people are like, or we just sell them to doctors. Like a, like a physical WebMD. Yeah, kind which of. Is a terrible idea. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're having, like, a weird mole situation. Just go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Don't look it up. Now, that is the best advice we could ever give you. Yeah. So, That's how I ended up putting tea bags on my vagina that one time. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, was that a WebMD thing? Yeah. Well, it wasn't Babe. a WebMD thing. It led me down a spiral. We oh, don't have no. to talk about this. We talked about my vagina too much already this episode. <laughs> We've talked about it a couple times. Yeah. One time <laughs> Sam came home and I was putting a tea bag <laughs> on part of my vagina you because really I were. thought I had some kind of disease and it was just an... It, it was fine. It, it ended help? up being fine. I have no idea. I think it was an ingrown hair. Yeah, I think it was. Which hap- <laughs> it just happens. And I freaked out. <laughs> and you guys were like, just, okay. You didn't know what to do with that information. We just but, accepted it. Um, you know. So, so Elizabeth Holmes wants these devices to be, like, small and nice to look at. Uh, but because it's small and com- compact, it can only test one sample at a time. And most big med- medical devices can do hundreds of samples at a time because uh, they're giant medical devices meant to be in a hospital, mm-hmm. not like I'm going to sell it to Mr. Jones. But she's like, no, I only want it to look like it's going to be sold to Mr. Jones, even though we're not doing that yet. We're using them to test a tons of, of samples at once. Well, because she's thinking about a brand. Yeah. She's not thinking about medicine or no, anything like not. that. She's thinking she's in Zuckerberg style. Yeah, for real. So what they decide to do to make the machines go faster is that they basically stack six machines on top of each other and then they can share like some of the end parts, but like the input is just six machines stacked on top of each other. So they can do six samples at once. Sometimes the easiest solution. But it's the best solution. What they don't think about that by is that by stacking the machines on top of each other, they all get very hot. <laughs> like if you stack like a computer on top of like a different device. Yeah, like, anyone who's had their laptop on their thighs. Yeah, it can literally tell you that. And so because of that, it fucks with the blood samples because <gasps> the blood samples can't get that hot and still be accurate. And it was like a 22 year old intern that pointed this out. Like, hey, if you stack all these machines on top of each other, maybe if we cook the blood, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, like, that's just one example, but Theranos just keeps having problems like that, like weird, (laughs) dumb issues. And when you're creating new technology, that's okay. That's what research and development is for. But Elizabeth Holmes wants to bring this to market, like, yesterday. She missed the deadline for the Walgreens deal a few times over, and now she's, like, desperate to keep her promises. 
So the, her technicians are literally like buying other blood diagnostic machines and like jerry-rigging them to be able to take their samples. I'm just imagining her coming through the lab in her turtleneck and her crazy eyes just being like, <laughs> smaller, smaller, it needs to be smaller. Cuter, damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they literally like buy real blood diagnostic machines jerry-rig them so they can take their tiny samples and to do that they means they have to dilute the blood before it goes into the machine and then it gets diluted again in the machine which really brings down the accuracy of the results which is a big problem when you're a blood diagnostic company yeah but like you were saying the most horrifying thing is that elizabeth holmes and these people who are jerry-rigging these machines keep forgetting that their company is not a sexy tech company but a health company this is reminding me a lot of the Challenger episode that you did, <laughs> I have to say. It's yeah. like, sometimes things are more important than a deadline. Yeah. Especially when it comes to things like blood or astronauts. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's the moral of the story, I would say, in most stories. But so, um, they just, that's what makes me the maddest about this story, is it's like, you could be really fucking with people. Yeah, well, if you uh, you do your blood diagnostic test and then it says something's wrong with you, like... Yeah. That's traumatizing sometimes yeah. to think that there's something wrong with you that, you know, for a period of time and then you have to go to the doctor and they're like, no, you don't have, you know. <laughs> You're fine. Leukemia. You just bought a toy from Walgreens. Yeah. And somebody's cooking your blood in a tiny iPod. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what I can do for you. Uh, and these, like, messages about, like, it's not the people that we care about, it's the tech, are coming from the top. Um, reports in from inside Theranos say that it was just, like, an awful corporate culture. <laughs> I can't, I can hardly imagine. And it was, like, really smart people working there because it was a medical research and development company. So, of course, the actual employees are, like, very smart, very good at their job, mm-hmm. want to make this revolutionary technology. But anyone who raised concerns about the product were either ignored or told to just get out. Uh, and an example of this is that at one point, two important team members resigned because they were like, I have an ethical problem with this technology being released to the public. Like, it's not ready to actually be diagnosing people. Yeah, I have a moral imperative to say this isn't, you know, ethical. So, yeah, so they just both resigned. And these resignations infuriated Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani. Uh, so the next day after these two people resigned... They summoned the staff for an all-hands meeting in the cafeteria. And at this meeting, they passed out copies of the book The Alchemist about an Andalusian shepherd boy who finds his destiny by going on a journey to Egypt. And visibly angry, Elizabeth Holmes gathered the employees and told them she was building a religion. And if there were any among them who didn't believe, they should leave. And then Sunny Balwani said, anyone not prepared to show complete devotion and unmitigated loyalty to the company should, quote, get the fuck out. Okay. We just crossed over. <laughs> we really did. You guys out there, this is when, this is the moment when you cross <laughs> over into cult town. Beware, you need to be nimble to this moment. I know. Because it could happen at any point. And you need to be prepared to get out right then. And it just happened. When the leader of the cult says, if you aren't loyal to me, get out, you go, okay. I heard that last part. <laughs> you get your backpack, you get your potted plants. You go. You hit the road. Absolutely. You hit Indeed. You just go. You get yourself a nice takeout dinner. <laughs> you scour the internet for new jobs. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Okay. So this is also a fun time to mention that Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani had been in a secret relationship since the beginning of the company. I mean, they're basically... <laughs> I love it. I love this. The drama. Like, But they're basically building 
a new world together. <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense as the Adam and Eve of biomedical technology. <laughs> so they had met in 2002 when Elizabeth was 18 and still in school. And Sunny Balwani was 19 years her senior and married to another woman. Ew. Feels like it's going to work out. Um, so they became romantically involved in 2003, around the same time that she started the company and dropped out of college. And he later divorced his wife, and the couple moved into an apartment together in 2005. Uh, although Sunny did not officially join the company until 2009, like, it's, it's known that he was advising her for years before that. And no one knew, which is a total HR violation, uh, if not just, like, an ethical clusterfuck. Yeah. Sounds like he's the T and she's the dough. (laughs) Maybe she's the dough. In this, and, you know, check out our back catalog (laughs) if you don't know what we're talking about. But, yeah, it seems like he's maybe pushing pushing the agenda a little more. But it's also, like, I don't even want to give him the credit because I just think also that she's a manipulator. So it's, like, I don't necessarily want to say, like, she was being controlled by this evil man. She's her own villain. Seems like she was being controlled by her evil self in a lot of ways. That's true. You're right. Um, But also perhaps an evil man. Maybe the both. (laughs) So all of this kind of piles up, and finally a few members of the Theranos staff are ready to blow the whistle. One notable whistleblower is Tyler Schultz, who is the grandson of Theranos board board member and former Secretary of State, George Schultz. Wow. So he raises a ton of concerns about this to his grandfather and to the company, is basically told to shut up, and then when he's like, Grandpa, I'm telling you, like, this doesn't work i work here like i'm telling you it doesn't work um his grandfather says to him um i don't think you're an idiot but i do think you're wrong <laughs> like that's how in elizabeth holmes's sway this man was i do i wish i could <laughs> say that to so many people though so i really feel that so tyler was not wrong and he and other employees uh finally take their scoop to wall street journal reporter john carey rue love it uh, love a scoop don't we all love a scoop so in October of 2015, Kiriru reports that Theranos uh, is, like, both that their technology doesn't work. Uh, they had, like, a new diagnostic system they said they were using. That straight up didn't work. So they were trying to use their old di- diagnostic system, but that wasn't accurate. So in reality, they were using other people's diagnostic systems that had been jerry-rigged, uh, like I was talking about earlier, to just come out with, like, something, even though that also wasn't accurate. Okay. And uh, finally, the jig was up. So Walgreens suspended the plans to expand blood testing centers. And from there, it was a really quick descent for Theranos. Uh, They were just really big liars the whole time. So in June of 2018, following an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Francisco that lasted more than two years, a federal grand jury indicted both Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani on nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. They have a cell right next to Anna Delvey. <laughs> they really might. So prosecutors allege um, that the two were engaged in two criminal schemes, one to defraud investors, basically telling them, like, this company is only going to get more valuable, put in your VC money now, and one to defraud doctors and patients, telling them this is going to work. <laughs> this technology really works. And after the indictment was issued, Holmes stepped down as CEO of Theranos. Good move. Um, And I think it just doesn't exist anymore as a company. So the case is proceeding in the U.S. District Court of San Jose. Both Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani pled not guilty, but the expectation is that they're going to face about 20 years in prison. Oof. And I'm glad because they suck and I'm horrified by this whole story. 
Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, they should probably go to prison for 20 years. I mean, you're lying to people for money. Yeah. That's like basic no-no. Do not do that. We ask that you don't. I mean, we lie to people all the time, but we don't make any money off of it. I just do it for the thrill of it. (laughs) Just do it for that (laughs) hot thrill (laughs) that I get from lying to someone. Yes. It is just intoxicating. It really is. Cool. Well, that was really interesting, and I loved it. I love, I love a scheme. I know you you do. You love a scheme and a scam. And I just, again, I will say it really, it satisfied my desire for more, um, like, undercover Mm businessy white collar schemes because again you guys the dream it's available on stitcher (laughs) um it's produced by little everywhere which is this cool indie podcasting company oh that's cool in um los angeles and it's just oh it's so cool it's really cool and it's got a similar vibe so i was like i've been looking for more things like that there you go so thank you for that all right hey y'all my name's alicia i'm stacy and we make Trashy, Trashy divorces. divorces. It's a good podcast about bad relationships. Every week we bring you two stories of love gone wrong. And people who really should know better behaving very, very badly. It's a fun way to cut some powerful people down to size. Or take a second look at stories and scandals that defined a time. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or on the web at TrashyDivorces.com. New episodes every Sunday. Subscribe now and never miss a garbage day. And now for something entirely different. Give me it. So, um, we're gonna get historical up in her. Woo! We're gonna talk about the papal ban on cats. Now, that's a little bit misleading. Oh. (laughs) For a couple of reasons. The title is so great. It is. I mean, it happened. Well, let's, I mean, let's start here. I'm not really a cat person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry about everyone who's, you know... I'm really sorry about this to everyone listening, because I know that people have really strong feelings about cats. At least Tumblr has told me so. Yeah. Um, And I respect that. I mean, I feel equally that way about dogs. Yes. If somebody says, like, oh, I just don't like dogs, I judge them. And I realize, like, it's not really fair or nice to judge them for that. Yeah. You can have preferences, but I'm just like, I don't. (laughs) You're like, your preference is wrong. Your preference is wrong. So I'm sure that, you know, cat people feel that the same way about me saying that. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm allergic to them, so... It's, you know, part of it is that I love everything soft and cute. So, you know, if I wasn't allergic to them, I'd maybe be more drawn to them. But they also often feel, like, very aloof to me. Yeah. And, yeah, I just don't, like, they just don't want to be my friend. And I have very little patience for any one or thing that doesn't want to be my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, just be my friend. Yeah. You know, and I say that to all of you listening. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, why won't you be my friend? It's Come on. something that... I'm just, I'm, I'm confused. Um, I have met some nice cats. Um, Toby, uh, our friend Amy's cat, is very nice. I like him. My friend Catherine's cat, Sophie, is a very sweet cat. Um, so those are two nice cats. Mm-hmm. All right. Put your... But you've, you've met infinite nice dogs. Yeah. I mean, put your ats down, everyone. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm going to say about it. That's, this is as personal as we're going to get about cats and myself. Um, but yeah, so I'm not overwhelmingly fond of them. And I mean, this is a really rambling lead in. Which is to say, what I'm trying to say is that I dislike cats an okay amount. Mm-hmm. It's okay to dislike them as much as I as I do. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm going to tell you the story of a man who, like many men before him and after him, took his personal preference a great deal too far. Oh, no. Um, all right. So let's take it back for some 
historical context about cats. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So it's 3000 BC. Wow. Or so. We're taking it way back. Around there. That's a while back. That's a while. I had to look up like which way the BC and ADs <laughs> go. I never know. Um, so what we now know is your typical modern house cat, not the big jungle cats. They're heading to Europe from Northern Africa, specifically Egypt. Mm-hmm. As anyone who has ever had even one social studies class will tell you, Egypt was big into cats. They loved them. Um, they loved them. So they were seen as, like, very regal and noble, and they were involved in religious and spiritual life. All around, thumbs up. Pro-cat. So cats start coming to Europe, at first illegally through Greece, which is how I prefer to travel. (laughs) Um, And they had similar, like, mystical intrigue and popularity. People were like, oh, cool, like, you know, they're Mm -hmm. pets, and they're, you know, like, from the East, which is racist. (laughs) But, you know, even, and then one pope, Pope Gregory I, I need you to remember this. Pope Gregory the First. Gregory One. He was he was very famous for having no possessions, but he did have a cat. Oh. So I want you to remember this anecdote. The first Pope Gregory uh-huh. <laughs> that we're discussing had nothing at all but, but a cat because a cat. he loved this cat so much. That's nice. He probably considered them equal. So he was like, this isn't That's a possession. That's exactly right. It's not a possession. He's just, you know, he's my He's pal. just my friend. Um, so I'm about to contrast that with a new anecdote. <laughs> oh, no. Which is of a different pope. So fast forward a ton, mm-hmm. like to the early 13th century. Well, okay. The, pope Gregory wasn't in 3000 BC. He was after that. But um, early 13th century, 1200s. It's very forward. We're fast forwarding all the way to Pope Gregory... The IX, which I think is the nine. Nine. One before ten. A quick, a cursory Google search while I was writing this could have told me what it was, <laughs> but I just didn't make the effort. You did it. Um, so Gregory the Ninth. He already was just a lot mm-hmm. in general. He was anti-Semitic, like overly so, even for his time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing's okay, but like everyone kind of was not great about that. And, yeah. But he was just like really. Everyone, even really then everyone was good. like, chill out. Exactly. So that, and he um, was really getting into the sort of roots of suffering and sacrifice in Catholicism. Like, he hated how luxe and lavish all of the priests and everyone else were getting Mm -hmm. in, like, you know, the the papacy and all that kind of stuff. Which I can get behind that to a degree, but, like, eat the rich and so forth. Yeah, I'm into that. But if I was a priest, I would think this guy was, like, such a wiener. (laughs) Just, like, a total wet blanket. Um... And he also thinks, you know, so he's just really intense in general. <laughs> he also thinks that there's some serious heresy going on abroad. Uh-huh. Even at, He's very, like, Mary Stuart in that way. Just, like, okay. they're not having a good go of it, so they lean really hard into, like, religion violent stuff. religion. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there were some interrogations happening um, around the 1100s by a different pope who was less intense, and he didn't think that those were intense enough. So he brings the interrogations back, like, the investigations of... Ooh. I forget what it was called. The Inquisition? Kind of. It's like that. You know, just, like, trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Are you worshipping the devil? And they're like, no. He brings the interrogations back with some panache. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? I love that. And by that I mean, like, brutally torturing people into confessing devil worship. That's panache. Um... So now here's where our story gets very far away from documented history, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. I'd rather know yours. Um, <laughs> apparently, many of these tortured folks admitted to worshipping the devil, which snooze, because I've heard that before. Amen. But some of them described the devil as a cat, or as half a cat, Ooh. or as having a cat. <laughs> 
you know. And so when Pope Gregory the Ninth released his Vox in Roma, which was a papal bull, and papal bull is like a public decree, mm-hmm. um, which denounced Satanism, the cat thing came up. Oh, God. Now, I have two things to say about this. Why the Pope felt it necessary to publish his stance on whether or not Satanism was allowed <laughs> is just beyond me. Feels <laughs> like, like that's a given. That was kind of the idea. Is like, I'm going to talk to you about, you know, wh- whether or not we think Satanism is okay. It's like... <laughs> No, no. Would have been enough. Yeah. Um, but secondly, I have an excerpt from the Vox and Roma of what he said about cats. And um, the context of this is how they were involved in satanic rituals. So it says, um, When any novice is to be received among them, them being Satanists, and enters the sect of the damned for the first time, the shape of a certain frog, or toad, appears to him. So, not cats yet. Oh, not yet. Some kiss this creature on the hindquarters, yikes, Ooh. and some on the mouth. <laughs> saucy. Reading, very saucy. They receive the tongue and saliva of the beast inside their mouths. Again, this is getting graphic. <laughs> Wowee. Sometimes it appears unduly large, and sometimes equivalent to a goose or a duck. Um, the and frog? sometimes it even, yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it even assumes the size of an oven. Why wouldn't you compare it to a different animal? <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Afterwards, they sit down to a meal, and when they have arisen from it, a black cat descends backwards with its tail erect. Again, erect, just like a lot of this is sexual a, a language. pretty sexy to people bowl. First the novice, then the master, then each one of the order who are worthy and perfect kiss the cat on its buttocks. <laughs> Is then, that why cats are always showing off their assholes? <laughs> so, then each returns to his place, and speaking certain responses, they inclined their heads forward to the cat. Forgive us, says the master. And the one next to him repeats this. And the third responds, we know, master. And a fourth says, we must obey. Wow. So that's basically, you know, the long and short of how you become inducted a, into Satanism. A Satanist. Um, Satanists really into butt stuff, it seems. It, it does seem like it. <laughs> wow. Or maybe this Pope was just really into writing about butt stuff. I guess, you know, history may never know. He accidentally got his papal bull mixed up with his fan fiction, but then he couldn't And he was like, out. we just have to roll with it. It's in its second <laughs> printing. We can't do anything about it. But, so, that, I think, caught a little bit of fire. And again, this is all anecdotal. There wasn't a lot of documented history about what exactly happened after this. But anecdotally, it was said that this led to a lot of people conflating cats with Satanism and killing cats in their areas, which, come on. Don't do that. Knock it off. Um, You know, and that probably happened to some degree. There's various accounts of that. But this puts cats being Satanic and witchy into the social, like, zeitgeist. Yeah. Right? So two things. One thing is that this happened in the 1200s. Sam, what really awful thing happened in the 1300s? Do you know? Is it the Black Death? That's correct. (laughs) So maybe... That had something to do with it. Less cats, more rats, which harbor fleas, which harbor plague. More more plague. plague. Yeah. And so now most scientists say, probably not. Oh, well, I still like that. Well, I say, you know, as a 24-year-old woman with a BA in theater, Mm. a confident maybe. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So we don't know. Um, More concretely... In the 1400s, witch trials became this huge thing in Western Europe, particularly in England. England really went to town with it. I feel like the Salem witch trials are, like, something people talk about in American history. But it was basically just this weird summer that Massachusetts had. (laughs) That's true. Really, that is what happened. It was not this big, violent thing. I mean, people died, but it was just kind of like, you know, it was very chill, like, compared to what they did in the 1400s and 1500s. It's almost like it was just a cruel cruel summer. 
<laughs> we can't use that audio. So. It's a cruel. All right. Cruel. <laughs> would you like to continue? Yeah, sorry. Um, no, I meant, I didn't mean that. I meant, would you like to continue the song? Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, around this time when, you know, which, witches, witches, witchy, it looks like the season <laughs> of the, I can do it too. Oh, I was going to be like, witch woman. I was thinking of that one and I was thinking of season of the witch. We can't use any of that. Yeah. Um, but we could talk about it, I guess. Um, <laughs> So around this time, Pope Innocent, who, something, Pope Innocent, like, XVIQ, yeah. dollar sign, whatever it was. One of the innocents. Um, who was also a big dick face, excommunicated cats. All cats? Can you even do that? So people said the cats were, were an easy way to identify, like, the devil and where the devil was. And this, in fact, led to mass cat burnings. Oh! What the fuck? Not okay. Not okay. Not okay at all. So to this day, cats are still seen as, like, witchy and occult-adjacent, but now it's in a much cuter, like, Kiki's Delivery Service sense. I was just thinking about Kiki's Delivery yeah. Service. <laughs> we want to talk about how that movie kind of improved. That's not true. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if anyone has any information on current oppression of cats, please run, do not walk to your email and send me a note about that at imhorrifiedpodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, I think it was just, like, a weird blip in history um, and cats aren't that bad. No. So just relax. Are they now unexcommunicated? Can cats go to heaven? I know all dogs go to I heaven. I don't... <laughs> we know that. That's documented. That's <laughs> yeah, legal. We know that. Um, I don't know. I know that the current Pope made a comment about how people are too attached to their pets. Hmm. Which I don't think means anything in the papal sense. That makes me worried he's going to reverse the church's stance on dogs. Maybe. He's a pretty popular pope. That's right now. I believe you. I mean as pope as popes go. <laughs> They're pretty divisive, you know, by nature. But yeah, no. Um I mean it's just a bummer. It bums they didn't me out. deserve that. And for the, all the cat lovers who are our friends, I think your cats are okay. And it reminds me of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it kind of reminds me of this. Just go for it. Stop me if I've said this story before <laughs> on the podcast, which is I had an allergist once. I won't say his name, huh? but uh, he was really mean to me in a couple of ways. Like, I have a skin condition on my arms called capitosis pilaris, which just means that my skin's, like, not so great. It's, mm-hmm. like, a little red and a little bumpy, but it doesn't hurt or anything. Yeah. And it's not he life-threatening. Once, he once said to me, like, oh, your capitosis pilaris is really severe. You should probably have something done about that. And I was like, oh, is it, you know, harmful? And he said no and left. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what an, what an asshole. And then later, my mom in the kitchen someday was like, you know, oh, do you remember Dr. What's-His-Face? And I was like, yeah, he was such an asshole. And she was like, he's dead. <laughs> so, and then I felt bad about it. But that's how I feel about this situation. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm not a cat person. It's like, oh, well, do you want them to be murdered? Yeah. It's like, no. 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 Of course not. I just don't want to own one, necessarily. I just don't think that it was necessary for my allergist to be that forward with me. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the end. <laughs> that's That's all I have. That's fascinating. But isn't it a cool little slice of history? It really is. I wonder if Missed in History has covered this. Sometimes Maybe. we do history things and then I look up their back catalog and they have done it and I'm thinking... They did it first, always. And they get more ad revenue than us, so... That's fine. It's I'm fine that we have a silent feud with them. No, I love them. I go to sleep to their beautiful voices every night. I love them too, but... I don't know. <laughs> if I could take them down... You would? 
I would. And drag all their listeners over here. No. You know what I mean? There's enough room in their listeners' hearts for both of us. I don't think that's true. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm declaring war right now with that pocket. No, I'm just kidding. I love I love Missing History so much. I don't feel like we need to plug them, though, because they're so popular. No. I mean, if you're not listening to them, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. If you like us, but you're not listening to them. We're not that great. We're doing our best. Yeah, exactly. But they're trained historians. <laughs> yeah. But that was so... In- I feel bad for cats now. And I feel bad for all of... Actually, I don't feel bad that bad for the people that Elizabeth Holmes swindled into giving her money. <laughs> I feel bad for the people that she would have swindled. Yeah. And I feel bad for the people working at Theranos who were just, like, actually good yeah, biomedical I feel bad for engineers. That, yeah, Tyler guy who was yeah. just like, you guys. And his grandpa was like, shut up, Tyler. <laughs> you little idiot. <laughs> yeah, so I just... I feel bad. And you feel bad. That's what this whole podcast is about, if you really think about it. <sighs> All we right. gotta stop. I'm glad we both feel so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we plug next week? Let's plug next week. Because we're feeling so bad right now. We're feeling so bad right now, but next week, you guys, next week we're going to be celebrating our one year anniversary. Wow! A whole year of this, this... <laughs> Of this. Of all of this. <laughs> of all of this stuff. Um, and we're so happy. So we decided to create an episode of I'm Thrilled. I'm Thrilled. Which is the podcast we always say we're going to do <laughs> and we don't do it. And we'll never really do it. So we're actually going to talk about stuff that excites us. And, and makes us happy. Us and makes us happy. So tune into that. For once. Um, but for a, a whole week until we release that episode, uh, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Hey, horror honeys. We hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. Your support means the world to us. And if you're not enjoying the show, why are you still listening? Maybe you do like the show. Thank you.